Welcome back to the Nowhere Office Series 2, in which we look at all aspects of this extraordinary moment we find ourselves in. I'm Julia Hobbs-Borman. Here's my partner in this fantastic endeavour, Stefan Stern. Stefan, hi again. Hi, Julia. Hi. Great to be back. So we want to bring you, don't we, the best of the conversation about this moment that we call the Nowhere Office. And we couldn't be more delighted to be partnering this series with Moneypenny, They are the number one outsourced communications provider who deliver telephone answering, live chat, digital communications to multinational corporations and businesses of all shapes and sizes. I'm going to outsource to them immediately, Stefan. (laughs) Good idea. And well, in this series, we're going to try and pin down what we mean in practice by hybrid, this uh, flexible, open-ended world of work that we're entering and we're going to muddle and work our way through with any luck to a more successful and happier outcome. Yes, it's become clear that hybrid working in some shape or form is basically here to stay. And so we begin this second series, which is dedicated to the whole question of hybrid, by asking, well, how's it working out? Coming up in this episode... The way in which I think we're going to get everybody back in the room is by... FOMO, making them recognise that they had really missed the heart of the meeting. Creativity is actually really important because it's problem solving, whether you're writing an article or whether you're designing a space or whether you're solving a legal problem. I would say that the two-dimensional world is really hard to do that in. It's possible, but it's limited. We've done so much of this in the abstract and now we're going to test it in earnest and, and we're all learning as we go. So I think we have to just expect, frankly, that this is going to be a little bit messy for a little while. Today we're actually speaking to you from the plush studio of Spiritland in King's Cross, London, and it's very nice to be face-to-face with Julia again across the microphones. It's very nice to be face-to-face with you, Stefan, across the studio, but of course it's got to be said that we too are hybrid in that we're not, as we would have done pre-pandemic, record everything from a studio. We've learned that it is more convenient and perfectly serviceable to sometimes do this on Zoom. So we're practising what we preach. It's a hybrid world. It's a hybrid world and some of the disciplines are kicking in. For example, having to shave and actually put clothes on. That's me, not uh, <laughs> not Julia. The future is elastic in every sense and it's got to stretch to fit. High waistband. That is what the Nowhere Office is. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to say that joining us in real life, in an actual recording studio and not appearing on a screen is William Eccleshare, who is the worldwide CEO of Clear Channel, who's had a long and distinguished career in media and advertising, was also a consultant for some time at McKinsey. And we're just going to talk a bit about how this thing called hybrid working is working out or not. Perhaps, William, you could start by saying how the past 18 months have been for you in the business and how people have adapted or not. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I'd say people adapted remarkably quickly to working away from the office. I mean, the speed with which everyone, certainly in my company around the world, got familiar with Zoom and Teams, worked very effectively, I thought. Productivity seemed to be remaining high, and in some cases higher for some individuals, working from their homes rather than in the office. So the initial... Adaptation to that change, I thought, was terrific. Conversely, the adapting to where we are today 
has been much more complex, much more confusing, and I don't think we're anywhere near getting to where we're going to get to when we can finally say it's all over. Mm. So I think very much a game of two parts in that. Because it's tremendously asymmetrical at the moment, isn't it? How can you have hybrid work out if some people do a three-day week and it's different to some people's four-day a week and it's different to joining on Teams or Zooms and being in the room? Well, you can't. I mean, that, that, is, exactly, that is exactly the problem. You'll find people who, when you do your surveys, your people will say, desperate to get back into the office. Then they come into the office... <laughs> And their lived experience is not very satisfactory because they've done the commute, they come in, nobody else is there, they don't see their mates, they don't get the mentoring, they don't get all of those things that we talk about as being important. So they go home at the end of the day, having spent the day on Teams calls, and think, well, what was all that about? I'm not going to do that again, thank you very much. So getting critical mass mm. and working out how you do that, I think is really important. The other thing I'd like to say before we go much further is I do think we need to define what we mean by hybrid because I think there are two different kinds of hybrid that are kind of creeping into our, our language. There's the hybrid of I work from home some of the time and I work in the office some of the time and I think that's where we're going to end up. But there's also the hybrid of the kinds of meetings that you have where some people are on teams or zoom or whatever and others are in the room and those hybrid meetings are a complete disaster in my view and they're what we're going to have to really work out how we deal with indeed well i think it's very i was going to ask about hybrid i think you put your finger on it that we we use this one short word but actually we're describing a whole range of different types of situations the hybrid car as i understand it is either running on petrol or it's running on the battery but what you're describing is a much more subtle fusion of different modes of behavior and activity more like in nature a hybrid plant in nature draws on the strengths and resilience of different strains of plant and becomes something we hope better and stronger so we've got to do a lot more work haven't we on this word hybrid and what we mean in practice by it I think hybrid is what, what we call a fat word. You can kind of make it mean whatever you want it to mean and you can unpack it in all sorts of different ways. And it's probably quite a lazy word as well. And so I, I do think we need to be tighter around that definition. Is it the case that virtual reality is going to come to our rescue? Because we pre-pandemic didn't think much of teleconferencing and then we suddenly did and we got with the programme and realised it was a bit of a lifesaver. But actually, if you look at the improvements being made to virtual reality and, say, Facebook's investment in the Oculus 5, we may all be having much more meaningful virtual presence. Or do you not yet think that's going to make a difference? Because at the moment it's really clunky, isn't it? Yeah, I've got my sceptical face on to that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not... Listeners take note, William's looking sceptical. I'm not entirely convinced that technology will do it. I still believe very strongly that there is a very different nature to the kinds of conversations that you have when you are live in the room with people, observing their body language, interacting with them, listening to them properly. It's a different kind of conversation than you have using any kind of technology that I have yet seen. And I've seen quite a lot of the kind of what, what the future is said to be going to promise. 
and I'm not yet convinced. Just give you one example from my recent experience of a, of a board meeting, trustee meeting, and it was a classic of what's happening today, where, uh, where the last meeting we had back in July... Everyone said, oh, let's make sure that the next meeting we all meet in, real, in person. Won't that be fantastic to get off Zoom and do it in person and we'll all be in the room together? Roll on to September and guess what? Half the people decide, actually, the travel's a bit of a bore. Actually, I've packed my schedule too tight and so I can't really do the 45 minutes journey that I need to get in. So half the people don't turn up. So you do that, that version of hybrid where half the people are Zooming in. And certainly on today's technology, we all know that's, that's a mess. But what happened was we, we went through the meeting. It was OK, but it's a bit hard for the people who, who aren't there. And it's a bit hard, actually, for the four people who are in the room because they're not quite sure where to look and how to, how to engage. But we got through the agenda and did what we needed to do. People not on the Zoom disappeared and went off to their happy homes. <laughs> we in the room then had a fantastic conversation, sorted everything out, a lot of interaction, a lot of good discussion. And the way in which I think we're going to get everybody back in the room is by FOMO, making them recognise that they had really missed the heart of the meeting. Well, I think there's a couple of really interesting points on that. One is, of course, that it perpetuates inequality, that if you're not in the room, and notoriously people who had, you know, caring responsibilities, if you like, the truth is it can be quite discriminatory if you're not in the room, to that FOMO point. Do you, do you agree with that, firstly, William? Yeah, I think, it, I think it can be discriminatory, but I think we have to recognise that there are certain types of meetings, certain occasions where being in the room where it happens is actually critical. Just a moment to reflect, though, on the kind of non-executive experiencing hybrid, mm. because I think for them, the lure of WFH work from home is stronger mm -hmm. than RTO return to office. Mm -hmm. Is that not something to be welcomed? I, I do agree. And I do agree that that kind of flexibility is very important. And as I say, I think we've 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 come a long way. We still have further to go on that. But I would also say that for, certainly in my non-executive life, one of my boards has not met physically for 20 months. We are going to meet physically, in fact, tomorrow for the first time. And I think that will be a really important day. And our chairman has been very clear that he wants everybody there and he doesn't want to do it as a, quote, hybrid meeting because... To your point earlier, Stefan, I think he recognises that as a chair, chairing a hybrid has required him to develop some very different skills from being able to chair and read the room in, in, in person. So, yes, Julia, I think we've, we, we absolutely need to recognise all of the social benefits of increased flexibility, but we do not, we mustn't lose sight of the importance of physical connection. I think personally that trying to coordinate meetings in and around the office will become as unsustainable 
as getting people to work at their desks in the office. You're never now going to eradicate the hybrid model of some people joining virtually. I think that is just going to be really, really tricky. But what you might be able to do is say come in for the office drinks or come in for the powwow and maybe you tag a meeting along on the, uh, on the back end of it. But I think meetings and emails and desk-based stuff is going to remain hybrid. You're, you've got your... Not your sceptical <laughs> face, William. Sorry for, for listeners. You've got what is that face? You're, I'm thinking about it. I'm face. thinking about it. I haven't quite got there yet. I think. I mean, I, I agree with you about my emails, and I agree with you about my admin. I, I think there are certain meetings where we certainly will be firmly encouraging people to to come in and be together because you can't legislate for serendipity, and the serendipitous points often happen within a meeting and they're much less likely to happen on a Zoom meeting than they are in a real-life meeting. Well, William, thank you very much for taking the time to travel, to be with us in real life. Together we could enjoy all the range of emotions that were written across your features that our listeners were unable to see, but Julie described so perfectly. Thanks so much for being on the Nowhere Office today. Thank you. That was fascinating, wasn't it, Stefan, listening to William give the lowdown on just how difficult it is to implement hybrid. Of course, the takeaway for me, I'm sure it was for you as well, is that word fat, that hybrid is a fat word that doesn't really cover the specificity of what's going on. That was wonderful. Yes, I thought it was a very important point. We're all using that word. Uh, but it's signifying lots of different things to different people in practice. And the danger is this sort of either-or version of hybrid, the, the Toyota Prius or whichever hybrid car we're talking about. That That's not the hybrid world of work. You know, it's, it's not going to be either-or. There's got to be, I think, this sort of managed, thoughtful fusion of styles and moments and the right format of work for the right purpose. Hello, I'm Joanna, the CEO of Moneypenny. We answer your business calls virtually, professionally, brilliantly. Our high-tech receptionist service enables us to route calls to your teams wherever they're working and even prioritise calls based on the caller's details. Repeat caller, new customer or VIP. Make hybrid working work with Moneypenny. Julia, if we've got Moneypenny, does that make me... James Bond. Oh, I reckon it does. Shaken, not stirred, stern. It's definitely got a ring to it. Now, before we go to hear the panel discussion on how hybrid's working out with three brilliant guests, we want to bring you My Hybrid Life, in which we feature the realities, the practicalities of working in a hybrid way. And our stopping off point today is BDO, the International Accountancy and Business Advisory Firm. Hi, my name is Georgia. I'm a senior consultant at BDO in our financial services advisory division and in our governance and risk team. I haven't been at BDO very long. I decided to have a career change in the midst of COVID. So I'm here to discuss a bit about my nowhere office and how I found joining a new office completely whilst we're in this hybrid working lifestyle. I think for me, first to say, I've always been office-based. In my previous role, I was lucky enough to have a day from home anyways, so COVID wasn't too much of a shock to the system. But I definitely think I now fall into the category of people that quite like working from home. I don't miss the commute. I think when I was living from home, my commute was about two hours. I definitely don't miss the hot, sweaty tubes or train strikes or the occasional backpack to the face. 
And I love the flexibility of being able to plan my day if I need a break, if I want to go for a run, if I just need to clear my head, go outside. I I really love that option. That being said, as much as I work from home, I still go in for all the socials. So I've realised BDO are very social and they often come in on a Thursday. And so I've made the effort to try and come in where I can and where it works. I think that's my biggest piece of advice is even if you're starting a new place and you're working from home, still go in for the socials. It does make all the difference to kind of get to know the people that you're actually working with. I think also the people that do like working in the office, don't be afraid to reach out to the people that are working from home. It's not that we're not sociable. It's probably just because we need a quiet day or we like working from home. Still invite us a drink, still put in a coffee and keep working the way that you like to work. So we've heard now from a leader telling us that centering around the office remains essential. We've heard how terrifically adaptable people were. But now let's go on to today's panel discussion to go into more depth on how hybrid is working out. Joining us are three I would call them practitioner experts, although we're all practitioner experts of hybrid, aren't we, in some shape or form. Elliot Moss, uh, Gemma Dale and Jeremy Myerson. Now, Elliot, first and foremost, I think of him as a presenter on Jazz FM, but actually he is the partner and chief brand officer of Mishkon Dorea. Stefan, you're going to introduce Gemma. Yeah, Gemma Dale, yes, she's an experienced HR director and regular speaker and writer on a a range of HR topics. You can check out her blog at www.hrgemblog.com. And of course, in her spare time, she teaches at Liverpool John Moores University. And Jeremy Marson set up the Work Tech Academy, a global knowledge network looking at the future of work. He's published more than 20 books on different aspects of design and innovation. He's also a key player in the Royal College of Arts. The Work Tech Academy is, of course, partnered with Moneypenny, with whom we partner ourselves at the Nowhere Office on this second series. So welcome, everybody. Stefan, take it away. Take it away to hybrid. Well, we're still, I think, stumbling towards an understanding of what hybrid might actually mean in practice. It probably means something different in different workplaces and to different employees, wherever they are, at home, in an office or somewhere in between. Jim, I thought I'd ask you to start off for us, if you don't mind. Uh, Where do you think we've got to so far with hybrid? Are Are we getting somewhere? I think it's really early days. And I seem to spend a lot of my time with hybrid work saying, we just don't know yet because so many of our conversations about it have happened in the abstract. You know, we've planned for it. We've listened to this global consistent voice of employees saying we want to work from home more, but we know it's really different to the working from home that existed before the pandemic. So I think it's just a little bit too early to tell what it's going to mean in practice. Gemma, do you think that there was a little bit of a rush to embrace hybrid as almost a policy when it wasn't a policy and didn't apply in uniformity across any workplace? Do you think that people made a rod for their own back? I'm saying people, I mean employers. I think we heard this voice coming through so loud and clear from very early in the pandemic that people wanted to work in this way. And I think employers felt that they needed to respond to that and they needed to respond quickly. We also saw all the other surveys coming out saying people were prepared to leave. They were prepared to do this so-called great resignation if they couldn't access the flex they wanted. So I can see why employers have rushed in some respects to get policies out, to get principles out and to start because I think they, they felt they simply needed to respond to that voice. But that's the practical 
issue that's now arisen. As I said, we've, we've done so much of this in the abstract and now we're going to test it in earnest and, and we're all learning as we go. So I think we have to just expect, frankly, that this is going to be a little bit messy for a little while. Jeremy, what does the Work Tech Academy seek to do in helping people navigate and negotiate through this incredibly uncertain landscape? Well, the WorkTech Academy is trying to uh, help people make hybrid happen. And so we're offering all kinds of advice about what you do to your workplace and what HR policies you might put in place and what kind of technologies you should be investing in. But what we're discovering around the WorkTech network is that the early movers have fallen into two camps. There's one camp, which we might call hardly hybrid at all, And those are the resolute returners led by the big American banks like Goldman Sachs, like JP Morgan Chase. They want everybody back in the office as though the pandemic never happened. What they're realizing is that people don't want to go back to the old boring baseline office. They want something new and different if they are gonna spend most of their time in the office. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there are those companies, mainly in the tech sector, companies like Spotify and Slack, they're really embracing max hybrid, very flexible, work from anywhere model. And they're tending to give their employees three options, you know, completely flexible, hybrid, a combination and and office based and allowing people to choose. But those are the two extreme camps. In the middle, you've got a great swathe of organizations. And I agree with Gemma, they're watching and waiting. It's early days. And Elliot, my impression is that lawyers have to be there for clients when clients want them crudely. That might also apply in other professional services. But we've seen, for example, PwC apparently arguing for pretty much full flexibility. How is it working out for your colleagues and their relationships with clients? Are some still wanting that sort of Goldman Sachs style permapresence or others being more flexible? We're definitely on the extreme from Hoban to Halifax. You can be on when you like, you can be off when you like, as long as two things remain true. And Stefan, you nailed it. The first one is that you are there for your clients when they need you and their means wherever their means. And the second thing is that you're there for your team because obviously in any of in the, all the worlds we work in, we're all dependent on other people. Academia is no different, even though you, you know, Gemma will do a lot of work thinking quietly when no one's bothering her so she can actually think great thoughts. Jeremy's probably the same. But that, that notion that says, listen, we're not going to be a pain, but on Wednesdays, the team will have an informal lunch in the cafe. That would be great to see you, but there's no pressure if you don't want to come. So so what we see is ridiculous levels of productivity because there's less interruption at home. I mean, off the scale, you know, if the hours were uh, 1,500, they're now at 1,700, 1,800 a year without us saying anything because people commute two minutes upstairs and leave too late to then go and put some food on. And suddenly you've done 11 hours of billable time rather than eight or whatever it might be. The, the openness is there from us. Philosophically, we say you're adults. You've proved you're adults. We always thought you're adults, by the way, but now we really know you're adults because, look, you did the things we asked you to do and you did them with a smile. But if you can come in, then you're welcome. Fulfilling potential, which is one of our big mantras, is not about telling people how to do it. It's about creating an environment which says it might be hybrid today. It might be in person. We really don't give a hoot. You want to walk your dog, walk your dog. You want to go out for a coffee with whoever, go out for a coffee. We don't care as long as you're there for your client and you're there for your team. Can I just respond to that? I think the productivity question 
was one that if I look before COVID, when people asked if they could work flexibly, that was always the big fear of managers. It was why so many requests were turned down, because people were concerned that if they were allowed to work from home, particularly, then we would see an epidemic of skiving. I always call it the homes under the hammer myth, that everybody will be busy watching daytime television instead of working. But the truth is, the pandemic has shown us that that's not the case. And and in fact, some research has indicated that the vast majority of people believe they're just as productive at home as they are in the office. And I love to hear that, you know, we've got companies who are treating people as adults, but I think that's still the minority. We are, as we've already said, seeing companies requesting people to come back. We've seen our own government encouraging it. And we're back to this idea that nothing gets done unless we're stood around a water cooler. So I think that concern about productivity still really exists in the eyes of many organisations. And we need to tackle that if hybrid and indeed wider forms of flexibility are ever going to be truly accepted. And yet isn't what's emerging and a reality that many of us have always known, which is productivity is linked to purpose and linked to a more philosophical sense of belonging and motivation. And that I think is positive. It's just we're in the early stages of understanding what that means, aren't we, Jeremy? It's very interesting. One of the silver linings in the cloud of COVID has been a reinterpretation of what we mean by productivity at work, because before the pandemic, Productivity was very place-based, being present in the workplace, how many hours you spent in the office. And performance management was based on place over the shoulder. Very lazy for many organisations. What's happened now is that there has to be new performance management. We have to think about output rather than hours spent in the office. We have to completely move the dial in terms of how we measure productivity. And I think that's incredibly positive. I think that the interesting thing about all of this is that one can get really focused on process and what the inputs are and forget that there are some outputs. And when we talk about productivity, what do we actually mean? Because productivity in a linear way, and Stefan, you were asking me the question about lawyers and what clients need. They don't really care how many hours we do. Obviously, we're going to be in many instances charged by the hourly rate, but often not. What they obviously care about is outputs. And just from the Mishkondorea experience of the last 18 months, I would make two observations. Number one, it's much harder to be creative like this. And creativity is actually really important because it's problem solving, whether you're writing an article or whether you're designing a space or whether you're solving a legal problem. Creativity is actually where stuff happens. I would say that the two-dimensional world is really hard to do that in. It's possible, but it's limited. The flip of that is the following. When your reality is this, and we're looking at each other through a screen, the real world stops being real, which means that you can just say, well, let's just do this then. Let's just open an office in Singapore. Okay, let's open a purpose business. Let's go and do a joint venture with a business in Oxford and Cambridge. Why not? So the lack of understanding of the reality of the obstacles in front of you, because you no longer see them, it's actually sometimes really empowering. So I'm kind of, as you were talking, I'm going, yeah, it's, it's, it's a complete contradiction at the heart of all this. Part of it is I would be in a room with all of you and enjoy myself much more than this. But the other part of it is I'm completely empowered to say whatever I like for f- with no fear of body language getting in the way. But you're making a point about innovation, which I think is very well made, that structurally, because the place, the pillar of the place has to all intents and purposes been removed. Let's be honest, even though buildings will remain, even though the HQ will remain, no one 
is predicting a wholesale full-time return to the office. And therefore, in that space has emerged what emerges throughout history in business, which is innovation. What do you think of that, Gemma? We have to think about, you know, what do we mean when we talk about creativity? And, and, and you know, I can see the point that it may in some businesses be harder to be creative when we're working from home and we're in 2D. But I think I'd challenge it too. How often do we have our best ideas in meeting rooms or, or in meetings in general, whether that's virtual or physical? You know, the culture of our organisations does not necessarily leech from the, from the walls. And, and I know if I think about my own creativity, where do I have my best ideas? It is never at a desk. It is never in an office. It's when I'm doing something else. It's, it's when I'm out running, when I'm cycling, when I'm doing something that's got nothing to do with work usually. Well, I would challenge that because I think innovation is one of the areas where if you look at most employee tracking surveys, that's the, where they miss the office the most, the face-to-face interaction. And I think if you're trying to do creative processes like designing or engineering, I think that having team spaces, I agree sitting at a desk is not very inspiring, but most organizations now have innovation labs, they have agile scrum rooms, they have all kinds of specialist settings to help people innovate. Company creativity was curbed in the pandemic. Organizations reverted to a baseline of let's keep things moving, let's not take any risks. What's happening now is that companies are bringing people back to the workplace just for what you might call higher value interpersonal work, innovation, training and mentoring. I think when it comes to innovation, the office still has the upper hand. Elliot, if you could look ahead to the next 18 months, do you see hybrid being fundamentally happening and healthy or do you see trouble ahead are you an optimist that hybrid is going to get us to a happy place or not i am an optimist but i'm not sure what it looks like again i go back to i'm really interested in what what the outputs are and the outputs i think are predicated on human happiness and the the space for people to feel like they can be their best version of themselves when they are working rather than where they are working or how they are working I think the jury is going to be out for a while. And I think the key to all of this is to not put down hard and fast rules of policy, but more to have a set of principles. And there is a distinction. So for me, we're in the era of principles. We should keep away from policies because no good comes of that. Jeremy. I just don't think it's a binary issue. I think hybrid is going to depend on the sector you're working in. I think that there have been a number of knowledge work sectors where people have been working in a hybrid way for years. But I would really emphasise the importance of the office in the post-pandemic era because the modern office has been 100 years in developing ingrained rhythms and habits. And we've had a break for 18 months. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. It'll take a couple of years if the old rhythms don't reassert themselves. The trouble with hybrid is that people are going in and there's morgue office syndrome. They're in and nobody else is in, or those people who are in are on Zoom calls. So I think that they're going to redesign offices, but they're still going to take up the bulk of the working week. It will be hardly hybrid as opposed to hugely hybrid. Well, that's set us up for the day in the series, hasn't it, Stefan? 
Yes, I mean it's it's more fun than work, but we, we we're getting to grips with the variety and the and the range of responses to this one sing, simple word hybrid, and I think that's what strikes me is that there's no single answer, of course, just as all organisations and workplaces are different, but we've got to tread carefully before imposing or demanding instant creativity, instant ideas from people, just as just as we used to, if we remember the days before COVID, we we can't just click our fingers and make things happen. It's going to take a bit of time. And it's clearly incredibly complex. I, I think for me, the, the the phrase of the day must be Jeremy's reference to the morgue office. I think it's a really important point, isn't it? Offices that people attend, but are so asymmetrical in terms of presenteeism that they are moribund. That's going to be a real challenge, I think. And also that that tug of the old, that sense of wanting to go back to something which is understandable and yet maybe isn't quite going to be the right way of looking at it, particularly as new people arrive in the workforce too. I mean, can we do things better than we did them before? Can we drop the stuff that really wasn't working for a lot of us before? I think that's going to take great skill. I think Gemma's absolutely right to say this calls for just a higher level of management sophistication and skill. And we're in fact devoting a whole programme to management in this second series. You've been listening to The Nowhere Office with me, Julia Hobsbawm. And me, Stefan Stern. It's an editorial intelligence production in association with Moneypenny. And our producer is Callum McRae. You can find out more by going to editorialintelligence.com or by visiting Moneypenny on LinkedIn or Editorial Intelligence on LinkedIn. <laughs>